This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Alrighty, welcome in now. The time 8.12 as we kick off Action Line, and we welcome in our first guest this morning. Mike Sparks set to join us here in just a little while, and I think that's him coming in right now for us. So he'll be joining us uh, here in just a matter of moments. But our first guest this morning is Charlie Baum, Tennessee State Representative. Charlie, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a few minutes and uh, coming in. I know we got uh, about 10 minutes with you, so I wanted to kind of um, maybe just intro some of the things we've been talking about. Our discussion this morning, of course, is the 112th General Assembly. And uh, guys, just a few weeks in, what are some of the things that have been discussed and uh, what do the folks at home need to know? Yes, what we have been up to the last two weeks have been two special sessions. And when I say we, I should acknowledge uh, the Rutherford County delegation in the state legislature. We have two senators, Senator Don White and Senator Shane Reeves. And we have four representatives, uh, Representative Dr. Brian Terry, uh, Representative Mike Sparks, who is here and is going to be making some comments here in a minute, and Representative Tim Rudd. I'm Charlie Baum. The last two weeks we have held two special sessions designed, to, two separate special sessions designed to deal with specific issues. The one we dealt with, the issue last week in our special session uh, uh, was uh, on education and the special session the week before that was on health care and in particular Tennessee's uh, block grant proposal for Medicaid. Now now that these two sessions, special sessions are over, the general session will soon be beginning where we file bills and um, uh, to become legislation of all different kinds of topics. But what I thought I would start out with is a brief summary of these two special sessions. Uh, maybe I'll start with the one that in my opinion is less complicated, the one on education. This was a week before this week that we're concluding where we dealt with three particular education issues, three particular bills that did three things in education. The first bill uh, was a, is a bill to promote literacy, increase literacy among our public school students here in Tennessee, and it's going to be done with uh, a program that emphasizes phonics-based learning. We have heard from many of the experts that phonics is a an effective way of teaching kids to read, and so this first bill is a literacy bill that emphasizes phonics. The second of the three education bills that we passed provides remediation programs for our public school st uh, students over the summer. During the last nine months, maybe ten months now, when we've been uh, in, the, in this COVID pandemic, 
Many of our students have been learning remotely or online. They haven't all been in the classroom, and even those that have been in the classroom haven't been in the classroom as much as they otherwise would have been. And we are concerned that there has been a, 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 either a loss of learning or maybe students haven't learned as much as they otherwise would have. The, these summer remediation programs are four to six week programs where students can essentially go to summer school and can be taught additional material to get them up to where they would normally have been if we had not been uh, in this COVID pandemic. The state is providing funding for these summer remediation programs. Our goal is not to pass any of the burden along to our local governments in the form of a unfunded mandate. And then the third bill in our education special session is a bill to hold teachers harmless on their performance evaluations. We do want to assess our students with tests so that we can determine how much they've learned or maybe how much they haven't learned during this pandemic. Some of these test scores may be, be disappointed, disappointing. And these test scores are, are traditionally part of a teacher's annual evaluation, but we don't want teachers to be harmed in any way by these test scores by the students. We need to assess, we need to know which students have learned, how much they've learned, but we don't want to penalize our students for this. And so the third bill is sort of a hold harmless bill for teachers on, on their assessments. And I should add that these bills also provide teachers with a pay raise. Now, the week before this education special session, the General Assembly dealt with health care, and the specific issue we dealt with was a Medicaid block grant proposal that the Governor Bill Lee administration had sent to the federal government uh, a number of months earlier, about a year earlier. The Trump administration had been reviewing this block grant proposal and just a few weeks ago approved the proposal from the federal side, and so the state needed to approve the terms of the block grant proposal. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to describe what this Medicaid block grant proposal is. This is a little bit complicated. I think these details are probably a little bit more complicated than the details of the education special session, but the goal of the block grant proposal is to bring more dollars into Tennessee from the federal government to be spent on health care. This is our initiative designed to increase access to health care and by spending more on health care using federal dollars. And here's how it works. It uses money that had been saved by the state to spend on health care. For a number of years, Tennessee had run its Medicaid program, which is called TenCare. When we talk about TenCare, that is Tennessee's Medicaid program. Some states call their Medicaid program Medicaid. In Tennessee, our Medicaid program is called TenCare. For many, many years, Tennessee has run a very efficient uh, Medicaid program. TenCare has been very efficient, and we're proud of that. But the result is, from this efficiency, the result is that Tennessee had not spent the maximum amount that the federal government would reimburse. The federal government has a maximum reimbursement amount that they're willing to, to reimburse to states. Across the country, Medicaid programs roughly are funded about two-thirds with federal dollars and about one-third with state dollars. So Tennessee has been running for a number of years a very, very efficient um, 10-care program. 
which meant we weren't spending as much as other states, we weren't spending as much as the average per patient, and we weren't spending as much as we would need to in order to get the maximum federal reimbursement amount. So we've been saving money, but all of this time, these savings have gone to the federal government. When we haven't required the maximum federal reimbursement match, the federal government's been the one keep the money. This block grant proposal simply says that half of those savings are going to come back to the state of Tennessee and the federal government can keep the remaining half. Before this, the federal government was keeping all the savings. Now Tennessee is going to be able to keep half of the savings that it generates from running an efficient and effective TennCare program. So I think this is good news for the state. It's just bringing back money to the state that we are already saving. Now, I have heard uh, some concerns from, from some of my constituents, and there are three that I would like to address in particular. The first one has to do with quality. I have some constituents who believe that this program will provide an incentive for Tennessee to lower the quality of health care that it's providing through TennCare. I don't think that's going to happen, and the reason why is Tennessee is going to be measured on 10 to 12 different healthcare outcomes by its year 2020 benchmarks. So we've got these benchmarks that measure the quality of healthcare Tennessee's been providing through TennCare um, that were measured in 2020. If we fall below these benchmark care levels, then there are financial penalties in this block grant proposal where Tennessee would not receive the savings that it wants. Furthermore, I actually think this block grant proposal provides an incentive for Tennessee to provide a higher quality of care. Because if we provide a higher quality of health care by uh, using preventative ways, preventative me uh, medicine in order to pre prevent expensive long-term care, then we'll generate more savings and we're getting 50% of these dollars saved. So I think that that provides Tennessee a financial incentive to provide an increased quality of health care, not a decreased quality of health care. The second concern that my constituents mention is they're concerned about what would happen if the number of patients enrolling in TennCare increases. They're concerned with how the block grant proposal would account for that or adjust for that. Fortunately, the block grant proposal was very, I think, wisely negotiated so that this federal maximum reimbursement cap actually goes up whenever the 10 care population increases by one percent or more. So this uh, this federal reimbursement rate is actually adjusted every year for the number of patients on 10 care. If for some reason we have a some kind of health crisis and a lot of a lot more Tennesseans move on to 10 care, then the federal government's uh, reimbursement amount actually will increase with the program's population so that it's adjustable whenever our population on TennCare increases by 1% or more. So the program builds in the flexibility to address increased numbers moving on to TennCare. And then the last criticism that I have heard is what would happen under this proposal if the cost of health care under 10 care per patient increases? What if it increases so much that it rises above the federal reimbursement cap? Would Tennessee be uh, on the hook for those uh, that additional health care, those additional health care costs? 
and for all of it above the federal reimbursement max. And there are several provisions built into the program that I think would prevent this from happening. One is that the federal maximum reimbursement cap is going to be adjusted each year for price inflation. So it's not stuck at the same level for the 10-year duration of the block grant. Instead, it's going to be adjusted upward each year for price inflation. The federal government is also giving us essentially a savings account of $6 billion to dip into if or when our health our healthcare spend, uh, expenditures through TenCare ever rise above the federal reimbursement cap. Here's where the $6 billion came from. That's the savings that Tennessee has generated for the federal government over the last 10 years by managing an effective TenCare program. The federal government is not going to just hand the state of Tennessee this $6 billion, but they are going to give us credit for it, for it so that if our per-patient expenditures ever exceeded the federal maximum reimbursement cap, we could continue to draw federal dollars above that cap on this savings account that's got $6 billion in it. It's the $6 billion that we had saved the government previously. So with those pr three provisions, I think this is a, a, a very effective way, a very effective a pr a proposal to bring more federal dollars back to Tennessee to spend on health care. And I've got one final point I'm going to address, and that is Obamacare-type Medicaid expansion. There are, uh, there are people in Rutherford County and across the state who I am aware would have preferred traditional Obamacare Medicaid expansion. This proposal does not, exact, does not do that. It does increase federal funding for health care in Tennessee, but it doesn't do it using that, that approach. However, it's important for me to say that this Medicaid block grant proposal does not prevent us from expanding Medicaid in an Obamacare style at any point. The two are not mutually exclusive. So that this block grant proposal that we've passed could continue in its current form without Obamacare Medicaid expansion or if a year or five years or eight years down the line Tennessee decides it does want to expand uh, its Medicaid um, a Medicaid program uh, under the provisions of the Affordable Care Act, Ob Ob Obamacare. It can do that, and the block grant proposal will simply adjust to the larger population under TennCare, and, ten and Tennessee could still reap the savings of running an efficient program. All righty, that was Tennessee State Representative Charlie Baum joining us, and I know he's uh, short on time, so we're going to take a quick time out here. And uh, when we come back, the focus is, uh, you know, so far as they have gotten just a couple weeks into the 112th General Assembly is uh, health care and education. So that's going to be our uh, discussion here as we finish off the hour. We'd like to thank Charlie Baum again for joining us, and Mike Sparks now in the house. We're going to take a quick time out, and when we come back, we will continue this conversation. I'd like to thank everybody for joining us, whether you're listening on the dial or streaming us worldwide. We'll be back in just a minute. If I could talk to the animals. At Animal City, we're pet lovers and pet parents too. So we keep our store stocked with a variety of items to help you and your pets have a better day. This is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. 
We have an extensive selection of quality products to delight pets of most species and the people who love them. We are happy to put our 30 years of pet experience to work for you. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Broadcasting to every nook and cranny of Rutherford County's 618 square miles. FM 100.5, 101.9, and AM 1450. Mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-40s. Northeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy skies and a low near 28. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 22. Good morning. I'm still looking live at this crash out here in Rutherford County. It's 24 eastbound here at Old Fort Parkway. It's got traffic really slow to go. It's got two lanes blocked. It's up against the wall. As a matter of fact, it looks like an SUV went head on into the wall here on 24 eastbound at Hobby 96, Old Fort Parkway. We are looking at this uh, starting to back up pretty good right now. Check out the Andre Chicken Sandwich now, available at Princess Hot Chicken. Order online, princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. A heart for healing. When life challenges become a torrential flood, there are local doctors, nurses, and medical technicians who help you maneuver the swift waters. Gordon Ferguson, President and CEO of St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. Endodontist James Woods is our Heart for Healing recipient. A patient said that their ability to eat without issues was solved by Dr. Woods. They had damage to their wisdom tooth along with the adjacent molar. It took several procedures, but Dr. Woods was able to do a root canal and save the adjacent molar. Plus, he did it without pain. Murfreesboro endodontist Dr. James Woods is our Heart for Healing honoree and receives dinner for two at the fabulous Alley on Main Street Restaurant. Submit your Heart for Healing nomination to WGNS. Broadcasting from the tallest tower in the city with that little red light on top. FM 100.5, FM 101.9, and AM 1450. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at DemasFamilyKitchen.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com.
Alrighty, we are back right now, 831, and just a shake below 30 this morning for you with temperatures up into the mid-40s and lots of sunshine for us on this Friday, January 29th. I wanted to thank again Tennessee State Representative Charlie Baum, who is joining us, and uh, Mike Sparks now joining us. And uh, Mike, we wanted to brag a little bit on some of the committees. We were just talking off the air uh, about some of the things you guys are getting involved in, some of the important committees, financial being one of them. Uh, talk about that a little bit. That's that's yeah. a pretty neat thing to start off with and we can brag on you guys a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell the guy to brag on is Charlie Baum. I mean, that guy, I should say Dr. Baum. I'm, I'm always ready for Charlie. When I say Charlie, he's going to say, I didn't go to medical school for eight years <laughs> to be called Charlie. But, uh, but he is such a good guy. I was just watching him just now. He had to leave, get to MTSU. You know, folks may not know he's a um, econ professor. But that guy, all that, what he just talked about, he had no notes. No notes. That, that guy's a genius. I mean, he really is a genius. And uh, one day I was searching for Dr. Bill Ford, if folks may know who Dr. Bill Ford is. I had a lot of respect for him. And um, he was on the, I think he was chairman of the Federal Reserve Board years ago. And um, strong conservative guy, and you know where you stand with with Dr. Ford. And um, I was searching for Dr. Ford for for some reason. I was doing some research, and I come across Charlie Baum, Dr. Baum. I guess he was in a in a white paper with uh, Dr. Bill Ford, and I thought, wow. But just to let the listeners know, I mean, his notes. Look, look right here. That way, people know I'm not lying. <laughs> look, little notes. It's WGNS. It's a little writing pad. He just while he's sitting here wrote this down. I mean, if there's a genius in the house, uh, the pun is intended. It is Dr. Charlie Baum, and um, he got named uh, finance chairman. Uh, I got appointed to finance and commerce and education. I've never been on education, never been on finance. So it's a big honor, um, but we're really fortunate to have someone with um, the finance background and the mind of, of Dr. Baum and the heart of Dr. Baum. I mean, that guy, I can tell you. I see a lot of stuff in politics. I see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I see some fakes. I'll just be honest with you. You know, I don't like fakes. And uh, Charlie Baum's not a fake. And Charlie Baum, you know, what you see is what you get. Now, he's not very talkative. I'm more probably talkative than Charlie is. But um, he does care. He's real busy. And um, we're fortunate to have him as a as a professor there at MTSU, and I know I know uh, uh, Dr. David Urban, the dean of the College of Business, is, is is quite proud of Dr. Baum. So I appreciate him covering all the difficult stuff this morning. Well, one of the things I, I know we've uh, you know known each other for a couple of years here from the radio station, having you guys on, is the transparency, which is I think something people really appreciate and they look for. Uh, and one of the things we were talking about this morning as we uh, discuss healthcare and education, some things that could be changing, some things that yeah. could be getting added to. Uh, um, to our education system, it, certainly because of COVID, that you know certainly was a big uh, a big uh, factor there. Yes. Um, but what, one of the things they they mentioned was uh, you know ways for uh, residents and constituents to reach out to you guys. And I know that's something you've always been big on is, yeah. is is hearing the word of the the people who we live with here in Rutherford County and and share Tennessee with. Uh, talk about the importance of that as uh, before we you know before we get more into the healthcare and education talk here. Uh, what is the best way for folks to reach out to you guys? Why is that important for residents of Rutherford County to reach out to you guys and, and just let them know how what they're thinking and, and yeah. be transparent. Well, you know, quite honestly, I don't think we hear from from enough people. You know, I give my cell number out. People kind of think I'm crazy. It's five two five three one nine eight. And sometimes I get a few crazy calls. To be be honest with you, and um, but you know, when you get a call, and I've often referred to it like radio. If somebody calls into the radio station, and there's uh, like Brian talks about um, down there on Thompson Lane, and uh, what's that? What's that road? He's been complaining for years. Um, Oh, 
Leanna, Leanna Road. And he's yeah. like, man, there's got to be a traffic light. You know, he, And if he's talking about it, there's other constituents talking about it. And that's kind of how you get things done. I mean, whether it's talking about Jefferson Pike that, you know, thankfully I had uh, town manager Brian Hercules fill in and attorney Jeff Peach for me yesterday. I, I had to go to a funeral yesterday and then get back to budget hearings. But, um, you know, it took a conversation to get it started. Sadly, the conversation probably started on Jefferson Pike probably in 2003, 2004. Uh, I get frustrated with government. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was asking Bart yesterday. He was I was like, who else is coming on? He's like, well, it looks like it's just you, Mike. And I said, well, Brian got on to me for my language a, a while back, a couple, about two months ago. He's like, man, you used four bad words on the air. I said, no, I didn't. He's like, yeah, you did. And he repeated them. I said, well, they're not really bad words, but they're, my wife said I shouldn't use them. But Bart was like, Mike, you do what you need to do. You know, just be yourself. But in government, it does make you want to cuss. I'll just be honest with you. Um, my my. You know, my mom didn't raise me that way, but my dad sure was a good cusser. But it does make you want to just flip over some money changer tables. It, it does get you angry because you hear the calls. You hear the hurts. And people don't call me when they get a pay raise they get, they, or a job promotion. They call me with problems, man. And, I mean, it it wears on you. I had a guy call me this yesterday morning. Here I'm going to a funeral. He's, he was like, he's battling cancer. Uh, he went through 30 chemo treatments. He went to school with me. And he said, man, I got a, my wife got a ticket for running the stop sign. So my first thought is, well, you shouldn't be running the stop sign. Then I'm thinking, man, this dude's going through cancer, 30 chemo treatments. How hard has that got to be financially? You know. So it's like, well, you know, you don't need to run. You know, just you got to obey the law. But where is that proper point of equilibrium? People got to be held accountable. But then you got to hurts in the community. So um, I say, you know, if you don't have your representative your councilman or your commissioner's cell number ask them why ask them why you know if they don't want to talk to you then don't vote for them next next election you know and um it's a difficult it's a difficult position to be in sometimes because there's you got a lot especially in this climate you know there's a lot of i mean just negativity and um i had jim brown at rotary yesterday he's he was on the radio with me about six weeks ago uh he's the author of the book um Uncivil War, uh, and and uh, oh, I forgot the rest of the title. Something about getting back to emotional and spiritual health. And uh, he was on, he was been on uh, Channel Five a lot in, in the Tennessean recently. And um, uh, people thought that Biden used his quote. Uh, and uh, Jim just, he's a very transparent guy. And um, I remember seeing him a few years ago. Uh, happened to be at CarMax, um, getting a bid on a vehicle I, I was going to sell, and um. And his wife had just passed away, I think, like two nights before she'd been battling cancer. But he gave a great talk. And something he said that I wasn't expecting, um, and he's not some hard-line conservative, I mean, by no means, but he is director of NFIB, big advocate for small business. And um, he talked about the encroachment on the First Amendment. I was not expecting that to come out of his mouth at that talk. Uh, smart guy. I didn't know he served in the Navy. I didn't know he was a former editor with the newspaper. Pretty impressive. And um, and I brought it up at the end. Um, he put some trivia questions out there, and I brought up the encroachment on the First Amendment because it's something I've been talking about for years on this show, and it is under attack. And I brought up, and there's really no advocates. For, we say there's advocates for the First Amendment. As long as it's their First Amendment, they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um 
but I passed by this little black church in, in Laverne. And uh, you, I know you, you probably hadn't heard me talk about it. this little black church that was locked out by the government, by government now, over a codes dispute. Giles Creek Baptist Church built that church with a labor of love, a labor of love. A white church built it. Giles Creek's off Rocky Fork Road and um, in my district. They built it, and the church was shut down over a codes dispute, codes dispute. You wouldn't think this happens in America. This happened in Laverne. This ain't Chicago, New York. And people don't pay attention to what's happening in their own backyard. We can throw stones at D.C. all day long, but sometimes you better throw stones at your backyard because it's happening right there. Mm-hmm. Passed by that church. I begged the media to finally, if you want to look at it, for listeners, just go to YouTube, type in um, Word of Life Laverne, and you'll see a, a black minister talking. And Fox 17 finally covered it. A little uh, reporter, um, Michaela Lewis, she's not with him anymore. But my hat goes off to Michaela, um, beautiful young lady that covered it. Took time out. See, most reporters wouldn't do this. Mm. Well, I think reporters care. I think it's the other people. Because it's all about clicks. It's all about how many likes you get. It's all about how many ads you're going to sell. That church was out two years. Two years. They were shut down. Wow. Yes, a poor black church. I wrote the NAACP, never heard back from them. Mm. Never heard back. ACLU, wasn't there for them. Wasn't there for them. Passed by the other day, I seen a little sign, this little Hispanic sign. And nothing against Hispanics by no means, but I guess the sh- church shut down. Mm. That happened in our backyard. There's no voices for that. So when Jim brought up the First Amendment and the encroachment, he's right. It's happening right here. But... um. Anyways, people need to let their voices be heard. That poor little black church had no voice, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, Michaela Lewis, thank you for doing that. But I'm I'm afraid it it, it it closed up. And after two years of a building being shut down like that, I mean, that after a certain point, it starts falling apart on itself. I mean, that's like a car. If a car sits for two years, you know, you start yes. having problems in that. Uh, you, you can't expect anybody to do anything with that if they're locked out of the building. That's uh, you know that's a, that's a tough situation. There's not a whole lot uh, left to really do at that point. You're kind of put in a corner. Yeah. Uh, so transparency is important um, in getting your voice out there, talking to the folks, and you know it's right there in the name, Tennessee State Representative representing the state of Tennessee and, and those who live here. Um, what what is the best way? I know you gave out your cell phone number, but um, for here, for there, for our listening audience, just to reach out locally. Yeah, and I mean, email, email. If folks, you know, some folks like to email, but the office. If folks want to remember this number, just put it in their cell phone. Seven four one eleven hundred seven four one 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 zero zero. Just save it, and it's a voice system at the General Assembly. Um, it's one thing they do good. I, I will commend General Assembly on that. Um, uh, but if you just call, you could say. Um, uh, Senator Shane Reeves, and it'll take you to Shane Reeves, it'll, or Representative um, Brian Terry. It'll take you to Brian Terry, you know. And so um, uh, that's a good system. Now our email is a little jacked up. I mean, it's a long email address. If just remember, just add put rep like Tim mm-hmm. rep dot Tim dot Rudd at capital dot ten dot gov. I mean it's it's long. Bit of a mouthful, but it's yes. But that's well you defined. just do the first name. Mm-hmm dot second name senator would be s-e-n and then dot if, if folks can remember that that's how you could catch them so certainly the conversation has been dominated with uh you could say side effects of covid we're looking at uh different you know health options and education of course they're trying to find out ways 
uh, as kids have been out of school probably more than they ever have this past year oh, yeah. to maybe try to get them in on summer classes to yeah. uh, protect the teachers who, you know, again, we talk about being in a corner. You know, a lot of the teachers this year, uh, if you were to look at test scores, I think that's that's unfair. Oh, and it yeah. sounds like you guys are agreeing there that yeah. some of these test scores are going to be affected, but not necessarily because of what the teachers did, but what they were able to do. And, yeah. uh, you know, this year and last year, that's been kind of constricted. Um, so obviously there's going to be a lot of folks out there who, who have opinions on this uh, one way or the other. Um, as we continue just to mention to get you know folks to get their word out there what's the uh what's the best way to to get to you guys about some of these options you guys are discussing this in the coming weeks and well the the associations i think are a strong voice i last show up here two weeks ago you know i had judge jimmy turner um on and chairman craig harris uh always seems to be accessible jimmy as well well judge turner i should say and um and pet uh, professional educators tend to see J.C. Bowman. You could just find him on Facebook. I mean, TEA. Um, but, uh, you know, let your voices be heard. And really, um, folks really kind of work pretty well together. I mean, the media doesn't tell you that. But, um, I mean, the Republican leadership yesterday had a little picture. They were at, at lunch with the Democrats. And um, they work pretty good together, really. But, but association... I mean, you know, you hear the word lobbyist, it sounds kind of negative, but I mean, it's like the NRA. If you really care about Second Amendment issues, join NRA or join um, Tennessee Firearm Association. You know, my friend Matt Studd uh, runs that and John Harris, attorney in Nashville. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, they're accessible, um, but associations are powerful. Uh, like y'all, I'm, you know, y'all uh, part of the, uh, I'm sure, Broadcast Association, and y'all won that Luther Award, what, two two years ago? Was it two years ago? Two years ago, that's yes. a That's a big statement right there. And because uh, y'all are accessible, you know, y'all are transparent, and uh, what you hear is what you get on WGNS. There's no spinning and no editing. Now, can't say that with newspapers now. They'll chop your quotes up in a heartbeat. You got to be real careful with what you say, because I've, I've suffered from the brunt of that. Um, but uh, you got to be careful. But WGNS, you, you get the you get the real stuff here. We had a listener question. They said, "Question for Mike Sparks: Who in local government is the most passionate advocate for transparency? In your opinion?" Um, and that that is that is the first question for us. Uh, what would you say? You mean that? like local level? Local level, yes, sir. Man, I don't know. What's it? Uh, you mean most transparency for local government issues? Yes. Yeah, okay. Who's the local? Who in local government is the most passionate advocate for transparency? In your opinion? Well. Uh, probably me. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but I probably am. You know, I mean, most people are good folks, though, man. They they really are. Um, Carol Cook called me last night out of Laverne, and she's got a constituent. Well, I don't know if it's her constituent, but the lady, um, she's caring for her son that was in a bad motorcycle wreck. And I knocked on her door during the campaign, and um, she does monogramming. If folks familiar with Laverne, down that Stones River Road, back behind Walmart, she's nice home, pea gravel driveway. And she was telling me, and here, this goes, this is a perfect segue, perfect. And the la- I mean, man, it'll break your heart. Son's in a wheelchair, probably 30 years old. Mm-hmm. I, and I mentioned the boy to my wife, and she she thinks she remembers him hanging out with my kids. And um, boy, paralyzed, paralyzed. And she's she got a little monogram in business, and the boy's in the, in the house. The monogram business is on the side. It's like a one of them shed type things but it's it's nice well done and she said she went to the city to file um through the bza committee born his own appeals to um to get a little exemption because to, to build she just wanted to add on where she could have her son there kind of like a little greeter you know like walmart or something and they turned her down and i said well did you argue hardship she said yes 
I'm like, damn, if that ain't a hardship, what the heck is? And that goes back to people not giving a crap. I mean, where's her advocate? Where's her lobbyist? Thankfully, Carol Cook. And I, I wanted a video. I said, let me let me tell you a story. She didn't want to be videoed, you know. And Carol called me last night. Mike, I'm going to send you her card because I, I don't have her number on me. I don't think I do. And um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to see what. But sometimes people get mad when you bring up like that black church. I mean, there was people trying to hate on me. The good thing, they lost their election though, after that. So give God the glory for it. We had another listener question here, and they were talking about, um, and, and we'll, you know, for those maybe who are just joining us, we talked earlier in the hour with State Rep. Charlie Baum about um, possibly implementing some summer classes to try to get kids yeah. caught back up on education. Uh, phonics was one of the things that you know yeah. maybe could help in literacy, which I thought was a pretty interesting idea. Um, but they were asking about uh, any potential log jam in, in trying to get caught back up and back to a regular schedule, assuming if you know vaccines come out this year. Is it possible by 2022 things could kind of be back on pace Man. with the education system, putting in these, these new... Well, you know, you hate to sound like a pessimist. I mean, you know, but... It's going to be a log jam. I had a teacher call me the other night, and she was like, where are y'all going to get all these teachers from, you know, to do the summer program? And I thought, well, I hope the teachers are going to be there. Great question. Mm -hmm. Um, But that goes back to those associations, the school board members to call. I had two school board members come up of the day for a special session. Um, They just just come on up. Uh, Tammy uh, Sharp and um, uh, Miss Maxwell came up. and uh, I even invited them in where the governor was speaking. They uh, it was kind of a closed area, and security wouldn't let them in. But um, but because uh, you know we had a, that joint session. Um, but uh, you got to let your voices be heard, and and there's some strong voices. Believe me, there's strong voices out there to let you know. Uh, Tiffany Johnson called me the other day about issues, and um, so just but just speak up, and you know, like I said on the house floor, you know, the other day, man, the hurts that you see. You know, in the community. I mean, it, it, it. We're a prosperous community. We're prosperous, and um, but it does kind of play on you a little bit. Um, the Bible says those get much, much is required. But um, but I stood on my house floor and I, I was surprised I said it, and I see all these laws being passed, all this bureaucracy, and I said, man, we don't need all that. Let me tell you, we needed some Jesus one hundred and one. Get back to love your neighbor as yourself. And if anybody wants to debate me, just tell me where to go. I'll debate them on it. Because you just follow the concepts of Christ. Follow those principles. Mm-hmm. Government's not to answer. Look at the debt this nation's got. What is it now? $28 trillion? Yeah, something like that. It's $28 growing. trillion. Yep. You know, the, the, the speaker put me on finance. He may regret it because I probably ticked off some old members of the day but i brought up something and this is what people need to know get your voice let your voice be heard my former police chief sally walls she was like a hero to many of us she she died back in the summer first female police officer maybe in rutherford county you knew where you stood with sally walls and um she called me a few years ago she's always supportive now she was more of a shouldn't say democrat but man she was more of a old southern democrat but she had told me, she said, you know, Mike, my, my grandson's in prison. He's in prison. She said he can't get out of prison because they're not offering a class so he could take it to get out. They don't have an instructor. I'm thinking that she's got early stages of dementia or Parkinson's or something like this. There's no way this happens in government, in government. And um, I don't think she'd mind me sharing. I think she'd want me to share it, knowing Sally. And so I looked into it, called TDOC, went and met with Vanessa Moore, uh, sweet, sweet. Uh, African-American lady 
and talked to the prisoners at, um, I think it was Riverbend, no, Charles Bass Center, and talked to the inmates like, hey, how do we turn this around? How do we get you guys off drugs? How do we get turn this around? So I met with her, and I told her that story, and she looked at me, she nodded her head, yeah. She nodded her head, that's true. I said, you mean to tell me the state of Tennessee don't have an instructor, and we're bottlenecking inmates. Those are That's a civil rights issue. Mm-hmm. Whether you like the knucklehead or not, it's a civil rights issue. Mm-hmm. Democrat, Republican, black or white. And she looked at me, that's true. What's it costing us? Mm-hmm. This is a knucklehead crap that'll make a man want to start cussing. Mm-hmm. Somebody should start cussing over this stuff. But here's where God had a plan with that. Me and her, we're sitting there, and we're talking about just life. And she gets, she looks at me funny, and she looks back at the computer. She looks at me. She said, I said, well, I'll let you go. I know you got to go. And um, she said, no, this is really a strange moment. I said, what's that? She said, I just got an email from the commissioner, Schofield, that she was being put over program for the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I was sitting with her. And it, I called it a God wink moment. And um, because we got to help people, you know, get them off drugs. Get them the, the help mentally. 55% of the inmates in 940 are on psychotropic drugs right now. Mm-hmm. Now, some need to be in there. But then we fail when it comes to mental health. This state has failed when it comes to mental health. A lot of them people need mental health. Addiction is a mental health issue. Alcohol is a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. You know. But most people, I'm just going to be blunt, they don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. If they did, they'd be over there. They'd be talking about these issues. Mm-hmm. And that's a spiritual, that's a heart issue. And Christ talked about that in Matthew, what, Matthew 24 or something. You know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison. You visited me. And the Secretary of State was in recently with me. And he's a great guy, Trey Hargett. And we had a tour of the county. And it was kind of a blessing for me, made up for Trey. And, and I went up to this little black church over on a, um, Brother Jerry Whedon, folks know Jerry, over um, Ebenezer Baptist Church over by the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And Trey, Trey didn't know what he was doing. So I didn't tell him what we were doing. I was afraid he'd turn me down if he knew I had all this on the agenda. And we had a lot of big crowd there. Trey's like, what are we doing? I said, don't worry about this, brother. I got this. This is good. I got this. And Mary Mary Watkins over there said, hey, that's Mary, President of African American Heritage Society. But I brought up in that church, if you go by that little battlefield, go go down the battlefield, and you'll see an old shack across that gravel area that sells gravel, what we call Travis, Travis Courts back in the day to the right. Well, when she sold, that's her property. That was her grandfather. He was the son of a slave. And they sold that property next door. They put the survey through the middle of her old house. She don't have a voice. She don't have a lobbyist. And that'll make a man want to cuss. And I'm hoping that, I think the survey company made a big mistake. If anybody wants to help her, it's Edith Moore. She's on Facebook. And MTSU is trying to help her. But um, but anyways, I mean, I think we got to get back to some basics. I think we're losing, we're losing that. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, my little intern just got, she just got hired. She was on the radio with me back, I think in the fall or summer, she, she got hired. And, um, and she said the same thing. She's just 22 years old. I think she's the youngest uh, legislative assistant up there and I was asking her how do we solve this problem you know for your generation she, people got to start caring about things that ain't a Democrat issue and a Republican issue mm. it's a hard issue Representative Mike Sparks joining us and uh, time's flying by this morning time for one more question um, we talked about uh, the urgency to expand health care um, the 10 care uh, block grant proposal can make health care easier to get increased access how much of that had to go with uh, you know possible vaccines rolling out this year and folks being in a position to to get those vaccines and 
um, make that more available. Was that part of the conversation when they were talking about expanding health care? Was that something that they were pushing for regardless? Well, I can't say it's part of that conversation, but I, I did have a nice phone call um, from a local guy last night, Simeon. Uh, I can't ever pronounce his last name, um, but he uh, he's at the Catholic Church here in Smyrna that I used, I used to go to as a kid. Uh, but he, he was bragging on the system. He says, Mike, they got more vaccines in. He says, my wife's on the list. And he got vaccinated the other day. And um, I'm hearing I'm hearing improvements now. Um, Pat Lee with Action Homes called me about two weeks ago, concerned. Amy Mabry was calling me about the same thing for her. And I know a lot of folks are concerned. And I know um, we talked to Jim uh, Shulman the other day. Being on finance, you get to run across all these departments, and I caught him out there in the hall, and he is wanting to um, to improve it. Um, and uh, uh, but it sounds like things are rolling out, and it has improved. That's that's the feedback I'm getting. Wonderful. Well, Mike, I wanted to thank you again for coming on this morning. As we have about two minutes to wrap up, any final thoughts? And uh, so again, thank you guys for coming on and uh, looking forward to next month to continue these conversations. Yeah. Well, Tuesday night at Parkway Baptist Church, I know Marty Luffman, our historian, wanted me to announce this. Um, at 530, we've got a just We the People, just called it We the People event. Um, and it's about the Constitution. A lot of folks won't talk about the Second Amendment. I'm all about talking about the Second Amendment, but if you ain't got the First Amendment, you can't talk about the Second Amendment. So we're going to talk about the First Amendment. Thank you to my pastor, Brother Hazard. Parkway Baptist Church is right there by right off I-24 across from Starbucks and Publix. Uh, we start at 530 Tuesday, We the People. And um, for more information, they can probably go to Facebook, find Marty Loveman. And, uh, but we're just going to have a conversation about the, about the Constitution, which I think is vitally important today. All righty. Well, a lot to think about there. And, uh, you know, certainly looking forward to talking to you guys next month, continuing this conversation. That was Representative Mike Sparks and, uh, of course, State Rep Charlie Baum joining us to get the show started, uh, talking about health care and education. Uh, just a couple of the things being discussed at the 112th General Assembly. Looking forward to picking back up next month. Uh, coming up next hour, we do have the Truman Show for you, some local and CBS news on the way. So stick it right here. We'll be right back. You're listening to News Radio WGNS. Remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. Uh, I was drafted. I was in the draft lottery. Served in Vietnam from 1972 to 1973 off a warship that was uh, search and rescue and sea air rescue. North and South Vietnam, North SAR, South SAR. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. I was on a guided missile frigate. By today's standards, it's been uh, upgraded to a light cruiser. I was on the ship that was hit by friendly fire. Two Air Force uh, Shrike missiles hit us Easter morning, 1972, the morning of the Haiphong Offensive, the big last effort before 